Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go. Indie Game Business. We are here with a panel of lovely uh, publishers who are going to give us a rundown on what they want to hear from you as the developer when you sit down and you go through a conference meeting. So with that in mind, we're going to get started. So uh, Frank, starting with you, and then we'll go just around the cycle. Introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about you and what you what you publish and that sort of stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Frank. I am the uh, in charge of scouting and developer relationship at publisher Those Awesome Guys. Uh, we're based in Romania, and pretty much what I do in a day-to-day basis is <coughs> look at all those pretty pitch decks coming in, look at all those game builds coming in, and trying to figure out if, if something is a match for us. Um, overall, what we're looking for is pretty broad, I would say. Um, what I'm particularly looking for is, is stuff that stands out in like a, a visual way or a mechanical way. And besides that, we just love games that have some form of replayability and games that we can expand upon upon release. So it's, it's very broad. It's very broad, but um, makes my job tricky and it makes it a lot of fun. Uh, definitely looking forward to, to seeing what everybody else has. Bill? All right. My name is Bill and I'm a Leo. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I'm also um, head of Mastiff. We are a developer publisher of games on pretty much every system. Um, we're American based, but we're also kind of co based in Tokyo. And I think we're probably the only American publisher, certainly of our size, that has an active business in Japan. And I'm happy to say we have games in virtually every retail location in Japan as, a po- as well as online. Um, I think we'll probably get more into what exactly we're looking to later. But I think I'd say one, we're open to everything that isn't super hardcore. Um, you know, we're all about reasonably low levels to um, gaming, so mid-core would be fine. We also don't do ultralight. We're not a multiple publisher. We're trying to get that, you know, easy to play, pick up and play, but not ridiculously simple or ridiculously hard game. Um, we're looking for a bunch of things. You know, one of them is because we are so tied into the Asian markets, you know, both our teams in the U.S. and Japan kind of have to sign off on anything we do. Um, we'd really rather not be splitting our resources. So look for stuff that plays well in both markets. Um, we look for quality stuff. And it's also a relationship. You know, when you sign up with a publisher, excuse me, when it's we're not a distributor. We're a publisher. 
And, you know, if we were distributors, like you hand me the box, I resell the box, I hand you a check, have a good day. Um, but, you know, publishing is a really kind of deep relationship. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of trust. Hey, I want to do this demo. I want to do this promotion. Wouldn't it be great if? Um, and so you're also looking for a match with the team. You know, are you aligned? Do you see things the same way? Do you work together? How do you guys feel? Um, and beyond that, it's kind of more art than science. And that's kind of what I got for right now. So, Vlad? Um, yeah, hey, I, I'm Vlad from Neon Doctrine, uh, previously another indie. So I'm one of the co-founders of the company. So we primarily work with PC and console games uh, worldwide. But we also have a we have also have a company based in China. That's where we actually started. And so we do have that little in to release games in the Chinese market, whether it being a local platform, or Steam China, or just doing the promotion and the regular PR. Um, that's the short version of it. I guess we're going to just get into the details as, as we as we go on. So I'm not just going to blabber about myself. Just <laughs> move on to Oscar right there. There you go. Cool. Yeah, and I'll probably blather on for several hours like I normally do. I'll try not to. Uh, so we're relatively new kids on the block, um, but I'd be, I'm not personally, as you can probably tell by the grayness of my beard. I've been working on games as a service for like 22 years, um, literally wrote the book on the topic. Um, we are a living game publisher, so we're slightly different from the others. So we actually don't really mind if it's PC or mobile. Um, we're less focused on console, but that's more about the level of support that you get from the console platforms. Uh, they, they're a little bit more restrictive than say you can do on a PC or a mobile space. Um, so we're not actually as interested specifically in kind of like where the game is. What we're interested in is does the game focus on engaged, retained users? That's really what we're about. And uh, rather than the art side, we're actually trying to put as much of the science in. So. Um, obviously, I like to think I know everything there is about games, but we're trying to prevent me from assuming anything. Um, and instead, we're starting to use techniques that we've learned from the horror of horrors, hyper-casual games, um, and trying to find out how we can take those lessons and apply them to long-standing retention games, because we think it's important to get the best game that players care about as early as possible in the cycle. So our investment is running live ops and getting the game ready for live as much as it is being able to publish that game. So we're trying to create this sort of synchronized experience. So, And one of the fun things to keep in mind for those of us who have been in the industry for you know, longer than we probably should have been, Oscar is one of those folks who the small elite force that you can always find at a conference Oscar's got the top the hat. hat. Uh, Ed Dilly, my good friend, he, I think he has actually gotten away from it. Ed Dilly used to wear Hawaiian shirts to all the conferences, and you could find Ed. He's a tall dude, so you could see him, and you could easily find him. And then uh, Tommy Tallarico, <laughs> who I haven't seen at a conference, even though he's running a television now. I haven't seen him in a while, but back in the day, Tommy wore like these outrageous, like rock star, bright colored suits. And there's certain people when you go to GDC and E3 and all these real things that you can find them instantly and Oscar's one of those. So we've got a nice little <laughs> PC and console and, and mobile. So let's just start, Frank, I'll, I'll start with you. You know, in general, the, the two minute version of when you book a meeting at a conference and you, with a developer, 
what is it that you want to see in that 15 to 30 minutes that you that you've got there yeah that's a good one because that's definitely a thing to focus on like um generally speaking outside of events i like to book my meetings a little bit longer because i like to get to know people but when it comes down to events like you have to be so careful with the time you spend um so for me what what i always like to see is like a condensed version of your pitch uh like as short as possible uh tell me what the game is about tell me why i why i should care like what are the unique selling points with focus on unique because that's often what people tend to miss. Um, a video would be nice, like showcasing kind of what it looks like. Um, I don't need to play a game at an event. Like that's, if you're showcasing the game at the event itself, I can go to the stand later, check it out. Otherwise, I like to take my time with stuff like that. So I really want to get that going when I'm back home again, back at my own place, back at the office, um, take my time to go through the build. Um, honestly, what I'm always looking for is figuring out like, who are you as a person and do I see myself and ourselves as a team working with you? Are there red flags in your pitch deck or in your pitch in general? Are there red flags about you as a person perhaps? Like it happens. Um, I think that's, for me, that's that's one of the most important things besides the actual game being a fit for us, obviously. But uh, I think that goes without saying. So uh, I think the short version is definitely that. Condense your pitch. Focus on what makes it special, what makes it stand out, show it off. It's always better to show, don't tell. Um, yeah, just let's have a nice chat like that. But yeah, quick quick side note, Bill and Oscar, y'all are muted right now on Discord. Because I probably oh, went okay. in the wrong directions, but you know, just FYI. Um, so, all right, from the, Oscar, from the mobile side, you know, how is that different i mean are there a different set of criteria obviously you've been doing this long enough that you look at all of them but are there a different set of criteria that you want to see when someone's pitching you a mobile game at one of these conferences was that was that to me yeah <laughs> yeah cool uh so i was i was worrying about the mute thing there so oh, uh, right. kind of i mean um i still really want to see the game i don't necessarily want to see the whole game i if i, I want to but i want you to show me the minimum viable promise so you know what is the thing that's going to i think frankly said it in terms of the, the kind of expectation the you know what's special what stands out and when you say usp you have to mean it showing me a platform game that's you know 16-bit style is not a usp don't tell me it is i've seen them the fifth time around or is it the sixth time around now and I mean, decade almost, I'm not quite that old, but close enough, it feels like that. I also am really, really keen on the team. That really fundamentally, a meeting with somebody, I wanna know what you are as a team. The game is part of how you show me. The, 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 the way that you respond to me, the way that you engage with me is absolutely critical. The, the, for me to work with a team, because we're so embedded in working with you to make sure that you know you've got something which is going to be commercially successful that's got the potential to achieve an audience all of these things are so important that's not going to happen if you don't show interest in what we are doing as much as listening you know letting us listen to you and showing that we're interested in what you're doing so this this team this collaborative mindset is really the heart of the meeting because if i'm going to do a second call because let's face it the first meeting is only about getting the second one I need to know that I think your game's got something that stands out, 
and I need to know that you're the kind of people that we think are interesting enough to want to have another conversation. So, Vlad, Bill, what well, you guys? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both what Frank and Oscar said. Like, I, I don't need to hear your life story uh, when I first meet you at, at PAX or GDC or whatever. You know, like the easiest way, just prepare an elevator pitch, two, three sentences that, that tells me about your game, tells me what what's what's the hook, what makes it stand out. Like Oscar said, 16-bit 2D platformer narrative game is not a hook. It doesn't stand out. Those games, I'm sorry, they don't really sell. Um, so you, you need to prepare your things. And, uh, you know, once we start talking and, and things like that, uh, you also need to feel the vibe between uh, us and yourself or, or, or your company because you, you got to be signing a long deal. Like, man, I, I had my publishing deals last three, four times longer than some of my relationships. Uh, so you need to be ready to commit. And you need to make sure that, you know, it's, vibing is not the right kind of word. But, yeah, you're kind of on the same sense that because you're going to be working together a lot like a lot like i i spend times with my developers more than i spend with my current girlfriend um so you need to be prepared for that there's gonna has to be this good uh, uh relationship but really for the first meeting you just need to have it uh, just have your elevator pitch i have a little video to show that's fine like frank said we normally don't have time to like spend an hour at your booth playing your game maybe later uh when it's a little bit more less stressful um we can come by and check it out but normally uh well if we are all honest we, we really don't have that much free time when we're running around at paxes or gdc's because we have our own booths to manage um but yeah keep it short and simple and nice and make sure we are the right fit as well like check out the games the publishers published um see how those did uh talk to the developers the publishers worked with and see if you know their mentality their workflow works with what you guys are doing because you know for us we're focused on like bloody horror more mature types of games so i i don't want to see a little girl go on an adventure to pick some flowers right that just not gonna work for us it's not the not that's not the games that our community likes that's not the ones that we kind of like know the pro, to promote so you know our audience is very different so you also have to do your due diligence before um, approaching publishers, especially when it's like cold calls at conferences or, or online meetings. Um, yeah. Bill, your take? All right. First off, are you hearing me? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So um, I'm going to go back to my earlier analogy a little bit and say to some extent, it's kind of like an omei, which is, you know, a Japanese arranged meeting ceremony. Um, and so the very, very first thing I'd say is if you're walking into one of these meetings or an omei, um, you should already know something about the other party. You know, I'd like to think most of the sort of qualification has already been done. Now, shows come together quickly. You meet people the last minute. Um, meeting slots open up the last minute. So you're not always going to have a chance to be fully prepared. But I'll tell you, by and large, especially for these larger projects, everything is interconnected. Everything is kind of complicated. And waiting for the last minute to do something usually doesn't work. Occasionally it does. But, you know, the days where four guys stay up all night, then they put it in a box and they ship it and you're good are kind of gone. So my first red, orange flag, yellow flag, kind of, huh, I wonder, would be if there was no information available before the meeting, um, 
you can't talk to them, no one has sent you a deck, you have no idea what you're walking into. That already would make me nervous because if your biz dev is a last minute, can't quite get it together and look at a calendar organization, you know, that's strike 0.5 to begin with. Um, beyond that, the next thing I would do, or assuming you are in one of those situations where legitimately, you know, you met suddenly a friend introduced you, it's like, hey, you have to meet this guy or whatever it is, um, would be a qualification, you know, is this even in the genre we play in? So for us, we're not going to do hyper-casual, we're not going to do mobile, and we're not going to do a super complicated card game. So start there. Okay, great. So you've made it through that. Next thing would be, does do the people seem real? Um, I've been doing this since 1987, which is ridiculous. Um, 99%, it's, I know, I don't believe it either. 99% um, of the people I've met have been fantastic. 99% of the people I've met have had nothing but good intentions. But, you know, twice in my career, um, and, you know, again, I've probably touched, you know, 200 projects in some way at this point, you know, I've run into absolute flat-out fraud. You know, people who are there to get sign-on checks and leave, or people who just entirely, mis not exaggerated, not optimistic, but entirely misrepresented their team. Um, I've seen that happen. It's scary, but I've seen it happen. Um, so next thing I would do is just look immediately for, is there anything here that suggests this is a potential problem or we need to do a really deep level of due diligence? And, you know, if that's a red flag, then we're gone. If it's a yellow flag, then okay, fine, we'll check it out later. Then after that, um, very quickly, give me an elevator pitch. I personally believe the best elevator pitches are built on really detailed decks. So. You know, when people read me a deck, it drives me crazy. It's like, yeah, I read pretty good. Um, but if someone has a deck and they can fly through it and, you know, you've got a page, got great points on it, and they just hit you with what matters, bam, bam, bam. So the Cliff Notes speed reading version of it, and then they're like, here's your PDF. I've emailed it to you, and you can see it in detail. I think that's a great compromise. It's a great way to download a lot of information quickly and make sure where more is from. Um, you know, if want to show me a flash a, excuse me a, a sizzle video great we'll look at it um unfortunately yeah it's like the pepsi challenge um fun fact why does pepsi beat coke in the pepsi challenge you go to a sports arena you know you get 500 people going to the game have them take a sip of pepsi have them taste a sip of coke pepsi will win why is that um, that's because Pepsi is a sweeter drink, and the first taste of a sweeter drink is always good. Unfortunately, then your mouth burns out, and if you have people drink a whole bottle of Pepsi versus a whole bottle of Coke, guess what? You know They'll choose a Coke every time. Pepsi only wins because of that one little flavor. And the parallels for this in the games business is couch play. Um, you go to a game conference, you have people on a couch, there you get, Oscar knows what I'm talking about. Um, you have people sitting on a couch playing it, you get 100 people lined up behind them waiting for their side on the couch. The developer goes home, says this is gold, look at these people on the couch, oh my god, I think I've surpassed food, water, survival, and sex as a drive in the human nature. And of course, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. Most people don't have friends. And they certainly don't have, you know, the friends they have on their couch regularly playing games. So it's just another example. Or controllers. Of, or controllers, yeah, exactly. You know, or organization, or the will to put down Half-Life, or, you know. Um, but what it just means is another reason why even if you've got a really talented, talented evaluator, and we have a couple who are pretty good. I am not, by the way. Um, 
trying to form a meaningful impression in three minutes at a booth is really hard. You can occasionally say, you know what, uh, no, this is just crap. But by and large, I think you should qualify it, put it into queue, and then either if you have an hour later at the show or when you get back, spend proper time on it. Um, and then I guess the last thing, and that sort of fits into the very first and really gets to, I think, what everyone else has said in different words, um, is the relationship. You know, is the team structured so that um, these are people you can work with? And are there reasons to think you can work with it? You know, if you sit down at a meeting and, you know, the person you're speaking to is, for example, incredibly junior um, and just doesn't have the information to answer questions, it's like, well, okay, if you guys are so big that you're sending someone who's ill prepared to this meeting, you're not going to be much better when we work together. You know, if it's very clear that the whole company is two people, but they're pretending they're 10, that's usually a red flag. On the other hand, if they're reasonable people, they have a reasonable conversation, it's like, yeah, these guys seem okay. And that's all you need. You don't need to fall in love. They just need to seem okay. Then again, you go back to the office and you take it from there. So and that's... I, and this is why you learn something every time you watch or listen to indie game business. I had no idea. That's why Pepsi always came out better on that. And, and we tied it back to video games. We build it anyway. So um, as usual, our lovely fan base and viewers in Discord is taking care of my job for me. And so we can jump into questions. I'm going to toss them out there. Uh, anyone, I'm not going to call on any particular one of you. Jump in, do what you say. And for those of you who are listening out there, either on one of our channels or uh, or the Discord stage now that I finally unmuted everybody because that was my fault and not anyone else's. If you got a question, pop it in chat. We'll get to you. So first up, we have from the Discord, how much time do you want to spend playing a game during a meeting? Zero minutes. Well, well he said, yeah, oh, damn it. During a meeting, zero minutes. I don't want to play the game while in a meeting because at conference your time is just too limited for that honestly what i'm look what i want to get out of the meeting is also introducing ourselves not just hearing about your game i kind of want to let you know who you're dealing with because yeah you can look at our portfolio yeah you can look at our website but uh, honestly from talking to somebody you learn the most uh, so yeah i seriously i if I, I i can't remember who said it exactly but if I have time, I think it was live actually. Uh, I think if I, if I have time, I will come down to the floor. If you're showcasing it there, I will check it out. Otherwise, please send me the build. I think it was Bill saying like, send me the PDF of the, the pitch, send me the, send me the build already. I will check it out either in my hotel room, if I'm not dead after a day of uh, doing meetings and, and possibly like a party or dinner or something like that. Um, so that's not, the that's not the case with mobile. In mobile, if, if it's, if, if I can't have a quick, no more than a minute worth of playing around with it, I'm not going to actually know what the controls are like. But it's not practical in most cases for people to set up so I can do the same thing with a PC game or a console game. If the game can do that and I can get a sense of the controls in a minute, I, I also want to do that. But the reality is that most games can't do it. But it makes think makes my life a lot easier because it stops me from being able to translate my assumption of what the game is to knowing what the game actually is, uh, and I think that what that's why I think it's still actually valuable, particularly with mobile, to be able to play games very quickly. Uh, 
I'm I'm with Sorry. when I'm at conferences, I'm with everybody too. I Oscar, I get I get what you're saying. Because one, it is a lot easier to get into a mobile game Touch. than it is to a PC game. If you gotta wait on somebody to open their laptop and boot it up and blah 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 blah. You know, yes, we book 30 minute meetings, sometimes hour meetings at conferences, but when you have to run from booth 400 in East Hall to booth 138 <laughs> in West Hall oh, at the end of the day. You're looking at a 15 20 minute meeting tops and your time is precious um the other thing that i always tell people is if i spend you know i'm gonna have 40 50 meetings over the course of three days i'm not going to remember your game anyway when i get to the end of that show it's going to have to be reinforced through a download that i play somewhere else because my brain's just going to be shot so i like to get to know the person it's like Tell me about, you know, why you started the studio. Give me something to remember you by. I'll play the game when I get home. Um, but yeah, I, I do, especially with hypercasual stuff. I totally see what you're saying, Oscar. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, for me it's and actually, like that's doing... why I bring someone with me to take notes. So that <laughs> oh, I don't you're cheating. I was I just going to say, like, I, I, one of the other reasons why I don't play games is because I want to take notes. But yeah, sorry, I'm not as wealthy as the man with the hat that has assistance. <laughs> and, you know, oh, it's uh, not wealthy. It's just knowing my limitations. <laughs> yeah. Oscar bringing the entourage with him to the conferences. <laughs> Actually, you know, that's a really, really good point. And I got to say, one of the big innovations that's happened as we've been doing this longer is we are now designating someone to take notes um, so no one bitches about it later it's in a job description because it really if you don't write it down it didn't happen and as jay said i don't care who you are after you've seen 50 of the greatest things ever they will meld together and that by the uh, way, and to be fair cool. i'm generally brought in where we kind of have a hint that the game is likely to be in the right ballpark and it's normally my i'm normally at the show because i'm speaking and so i'm not allowed to pay for the ticket which just helps but also my BD guy is there to do those those initial meetings for people that we cold meeting. So it is I'm being a bit disingenuous, I think. <laughs> Oscar, you're not you're not making a better case. So now that now we know that you go, have an entourage of their speaking <laughs> and you didn't pay for shit. So that's the <laughs> uh, rules, at least. It's good. He's honest. I love it. Uh, all right. So our our next one. From Discord, when it comes to the initial conversations and pitching to publishers, is the dynamic different when a publisher contacts me as they are interested in publishing my game rather than me reaching out to a publisher? And this is a two-part question, but let's go to the first one, this part first. You know, it's sort of supply and demand. It's like, are you the person left behind um, when it gets to be prom time or have nine people knocking at your door? Um, I will say that usually the conversations get to the same place pretty quickly because neither side will do it if it doesn't make sense for the other. Um, but on a social level, you know, as one of you guys said earlier, you're, you're constantly, you know, again, like a marriage, pitching each other. You know, even a publisher, even a developer who comes to me, they're also talking to five other publishers. I've got to convince them I will love their child better than anybody else. In the same way, you know, I've got to believe that this is the right thing for me. So, yeah, so I think the tenor starts off a little bit different. But if, if this relationship is going to work, you're going to come to the same conversation you would have had anyway, no matter who initiates the conversation. Anyone else want to add The only caveat I'd add to that is that we are our newbies in terms of because we only announced becoming publishers. Yeah, you know, oh, we've done lots of consultants' work, but only now it's become publishers in March. So we're proactive 
you know, so we're actively going out there. So it's just that we're we're initiating more early conversations. It doesn't actually change the context to Bill's point, but um, I think there are you're, you'll find different publishers that are in different stages of their own development, and so their behaviours will be different as well. Yeah, I think my position is a bit similar as as Oscar because we don't publish a lot of games, so we're not that well known. Like we literally just published our second game uh, last week, and we've been a developer publisher for like six years. So, uh, I mean, we do have to work a little bit harder than. So it, it more comes down to um, the dynamic. I do feel the dynamic changes then a little bit depending, as as Bill said, if more people are knocking on the door trying to get uh, the the prom date going then. Um, we have to work a little bit harder and it's probably the developer expecting a bit more from you to introduce yourself, lead the conversation than the other way around. But I'm always prepared to go, to go either way. Like I usually start most meetings with how do you want to approach this? Do you want to start with talking or should I start with talking? Because I know I can introduce ourselves in five minutes or 10 minutes max if I feel very chatty on that day. Um, whereas. I've been in meetings where it's just been from the start of the meeting until the, the clock runs out. It's just the developer been talking, talking, talking about their game and there's nothing, there's no dynamic going down. And that's, that's I think, the, the, the biggest difference. That is actually a fantastic segue into part number two. Uh, Vlad, do you, want, do you want to pick up on this? Oh, it's, it's, it's very similar to what Bill said. You just need to have to show them that you love, you're going to love their kid and not beat its ass. Um, but in our case, it's not that really love, <laughs> tough love. Uh, love. It's more neglect. Hey, I, 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 I'm from Eastern Europe, you know. I got my ass handed to me by my parents all the time. <laughs> um, but normally, you know, yeah, the dynamic shifts a little bit when the developers have like several publishers knocking on their door. Um, so you do have to, I guess, kind of upsell yourself a little bit more. But there's also the danger territory that happens is. Uh, the developers get cocky and then they're overestimate their product and they're like, oh, I have like four or five publishers pitching me. That means instead of asking for, you know, the proper amount that I need to finish my game, I'm going to ask for like five times more. And then what happens is uh, they get declined by all of the publishers and then they end up being screwed. So even if you have a lot of people interested in your game, make sure your expectations are correct and you have the proper budget and, you know, what you're looking for. Don't just be like uh, flexing, saying like, oh, all right, so I have like five top publishers talking to me, so I'm just going to raise the budget. That's what your investor is going to tell you, but don't don't listen to that because it's, it's so many games got screwed just because they listen to greedy investors and just never release or release too early because they want to make their money back. But anyways, I digress. Yeah, so just don't get cocky. Uh, in the end, uh, like Bill and Oscar said, everybody, everything happens, end up happening at the same thing. It, it diverges to the same point. Like if you end up working together or not, ends up being a partnership. Doesn't matter who started the conversation. Just a little that's thing a, to add to that. One point, the biggest though. things that we, oops, sorry. One of the biggest things that we see is that um, developers often give you your investor pitch. And the investor pitch is very, should be very different from a publisher pitch. The trouble is that oh, yeah. a lot of publisher pitches need you need to include your profitability in the way that you cost. Because if you if you don't think about the whole structure when you're arranging, you know, to work with a developer, that often we find that developers basically just don't plan enough to have enough, you know, 
room to make sure they can actually deliver when things go wrong. Whereas an investor pitch has a very different set of objectives. So don't give an investor pitch to publishers and a publisher pitch to investors, basically. That going, going back to what Vlad was talking about, the other reason not to get cocky, other than the fact that almost everyone on this panel and every other publisher, whether they want to admit it, at the end of that meeting, there's a 90% chance they're going to tell you, this looks great, send it to me a little later on when it's down the road. There are the, the opportunities where they're going to go, I don't even know why you pitched this shit to me. But a lot of times, when you get cocky in a meeting like that, like Vlad's talking about, you come off as an asshole. And in this industry, if you come off as an asshole, there's plenty of other things that other, other companies that they can work with. You know, that's just um, going to be another nail in your coffin. And so another reason not, not to do it. And we all talk to each other. We all have our publisher groups, you know. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I, I had so many terror stories. I remember this guy, he pitched me a game. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, this doesn't fit us. And like, you know, we can't help you with mobile games. We just do it with PC and consoles. And then he started berating me for like five minutes on the video call saying, I don't know what I'm doing. The future is mobile. Console is dead. PC is dead. Get the fuck out. I was like, man, calm down. What the heck? Yeah. So what, what Jay say? Just, just be nice, polite. Don't, 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 don't be a dick. Yeah, and at the end um, of the day, we we hang out together at the end of those yeah, uh, meeting yeah. days, and we're yeah, like, exactly. "Oh wow, I just came from this meeting. You wouldn't believe." Can you believe this like, guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a meeting with them tomorrow. Oh, thank you for for telling me. It's like I might cancel or just let them email me instead. Yeah. And just, hey, there, there's hey, a reading, reason that we're all meeting in the JW Marriott bar and lobby. It's because <laughs> that's where we all are anyway. And when we're not in a meeting, we're hanging out and talking about the meetings that we we've had. And, you know, um, same, same goes the other way. The devs talk to each other and you oh, should yeah. talk to other developers, especially the ones that worked with the publisher you're pitching to or you want to really, really work for because, you know, they may look really nice and friendly outside, but then there's so many horror stories. So many horror stories. All right. Yeah, so it's, we've it's got about another finding. one coming oh, in sorry. from Discord here. And folks, if you're dropping it somewhere else and I'm not seeing it, by all means, <laughs> let me know. Um, what are your thoughts on a dev booking a meeting with a publisher with the sole purpose of introducing themselves, even if they don't have anything to show or what they're showing isn't for that publisher, but it shows off what they can do? I would say, unless your idea is to be a um, work for hire kind of localization house or something, just don't do it. Again, it's clarity of purpose. Um, because that's not what the developer, in the sense I think we're using in this meetings, are about. But like I say, if you work for hire, why not? Um, I think I've split opinions there because, yeah, I do want to uh, make sure that my 30 minutes or an hour slots are, are filled with stuff that, that really has um, a benefit for me as well in the end. Um, but I always like to get to know dev, so I don't mind meeting them earlier on just for the purpose of getting to know them. But I think I would prefer that let's book like, a, I don't know, like a, a coffee break or something like that. Just something that's a bit shorter. I don't want to spend like half an hour or an hour on that. Um, and I, I, I need to drink my coffee. Like I'm a coffee addict. So I'll, I'll have breaks like that like four or six times a day anyway. Uh, so book one of those and, and then we can chat. Uh, that, I think that's for me how it's, how it's going to work. Like I, I appreciate it though. I don't mind it as long as you tell me in the me in the booking part because what I find is that and also come to that session asking questions as in 
you know, what do I need to do? I'm, I'm thinking about this kind of stuff. Get, get, a, you know, use it as an opportunity to treat the publisher with respect, you know, ask their advice, try to find out how, you know, how you can be more useful to the publisher. I think if you have that mindset when you come in, you'll find that people like me in particular will be very happy to try and listen and, and, and be supportive and give you help. Um, it's actually got for our agenda as a company it's really important to give you know to share professional advice as much as possible a bit like what jay's doing with this you know it's really important for me to help you know young developers succeed and feel like there's a safe space to to talk and i'm particularly interested in developers who maybe are coming from you know non-typical environments so you know if, we, if i see somebody who's not a cis white male who's presenting a game to me i'm very happy to sit in a meeting with them for half an hour just to give them the space to talk, to practice their pitch, to just see, you know, so they can learn about what's going on in the space. That for me is fantastic and, and time well spent. But please tell me in advance that's what we're talking about. That makes yeah. that's just respect. Do you mind if I build on that really quickly? Yes. And just say if you're going if, if you're going to do that, um, the other thing is Build credibility and be honest. You know, if you just get something, hey, we're new publishers, you want to meet, that's really hard. It's true. If someone walks in and has a story, it's like, yeah, you know, we just graduated with computer science, we're lost, we're thinking about this, or this is this team that came from X, that's great. Or if you were to be really as exactly as you said, upfront and be like, look, we're lost. We don't know what we're doing. Could you spend 10 minutes with us? Honestly, I would probably at a show say no, but, you know, I'm free the week of, you know, the 14th. Let's schedule a phone call. So, yeah, um, there are contacts where it makes sense. But I would yeah. really if I would say to whoever's asked this, if they're thinking of doing it, my two pieces of advice would be first off, build your credibility. Tell us why you want to meet who you are, where it's going. And just be fully transparent because, you know, we'll figure each out each other out in 20 seconds anyway. So just bottom line it. Are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list. And you can get it for free. Check it out. The thing to keep in mind as well is that, especially in this day and age, where we've got all these different meeting systems like meet to match that we're using to connect for these meetings anyway it's not like the old days when we like literally had to research who the person was and try to find their email address or their phone call to call and pitch your meeting before you got to the show to pitch your meeting you can very easily and this is something that i do a lot of times in that pitch in, in meet to match or pine or whatever you're using to do your meeting thing put a note that says look, if you're busy and this isn't a priority, here's my contact info. I'd still like to catch up with you after the show. Um, yeah, I just have my Calendly link because we have set this up. For, I mean, it, 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 for me personally, I just have Thursday open up for devs to book meetings uh, to talk. Um, so I don't really mind it as much. Uh, 
when are the developers that are coming, you know, because I'm based in Asia, so there's like not many publishers here who are looking at indie developers. So some Southeast Asia, um, Africa, Middle East, South America are more than welcome. I will have to double check if it's developers coming from Europe or, or, or States, because, you know, if, if these are some like double AA, A, triple A veterans or some really famous indie studios, like with their million dollar budgets, like, man, I don't really care. Uh, they're, 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 I don't need that. Like if it's actual indie developers who need like first time, they need some advice or they want to practice or um, they've never done this before, then yeah, more than welcome. But if we're getting like industry veterans be, being like this very corporate types of meetings, like hi, I want to meet you, we're like very Chinese, Japanese style, like, man, no, just don't waste my time. Like you, 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 you have enough resources to make a decent pitch deck and call me with your project instead of just, you know, total blah 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 yeah <laughs> all right so we've got a let's talk <laughs> yeah for big boys <laughs> all right so uh next one coming in is we hear a lot about what publishers want to see in a meeting what are some things that you absolutely do not want to see in a meeting your life story. I don't need to know it in the first meeting. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I would just go a little further and say relevancies. You know, you, you've got to qualify yourself. Then tell us what you're doing. Tell us what you want. Tell us when you're doing it. Like the, the first meeting, it should be like 10, 15 minutes. No, don't need to be any longer. Like you have your pitch deck, you prepare, you show your game. What's the, what's the hook? What's the elevator pitch? What's the USPs? Here's your budget. This is where the money is going to be spent. Look at my pretty trailer. Here's my contact address. We're based here. Team is this much. We want this much. This is what we're looking for. Support localization. This many words. Okay, thanks. Bye. Uh, and then send us the build. And then we'll check it out and we'll see if it fits. If it fits our community. If it fits, in, for example, in our case, if it's something that we can also work with in China. Um, and then we'll go from there. Uh, if you want to get into super details, then usually that's the second and the third meeting when we start discussing and, and, and things like that. But in the beginning, it's just, just keep like super short, super simple. Just make it all out that we can see what, what you need at a glance and see if it's a fit or not. That's it. Yeah. And, and to add to that, maybe like show that you care about the game that you're making, because I've been in meetings where it just comes across like the person actually doesn't care about the game they're making, which 100% can believe that that's not the case. But if somebody gives me that energy, I take it in and my mood and my energy go down and I'm just like, oh, fuck, just kill me now, please. Um, I mean, the other one is like, don't come to a Living Games publisher and tell me because you play Star Wars Battlefront 2 once that live ops games are evil. You know, just do some freaking research and actually play something more than just the bad examples. That, that goes for Star Wars Battlefront 1, 2, not, not just the second one. That's the... Um, well, yeah. All right. Well, I was thinking more about the loot crate thing, which uh, that's the oh, one yeah, I yeah. constantly get back with. Good story. Someone else made that than the original game developers. No wonder it was badly done. I don't assume everything that does that is therefore evil. Sorry. In general, <laughs> if the CEO of Disney has to pick up the phone and call you because they think they're you're ruining their franchise... That's yep. not a good sign. That's uh, not a good sign. Bad. Uh, all right. Not so we talked earlier about how playing the game 
PC console wise is not that important during a meeting. But well, it's different. But for the sake of the meeting, if you're not going to play it, we can assume that the player, the company is going to have some sort of trailer gameplay video. How important is that in the meeting and what needs to be shown in that video? I think that basically comes down again to what we talked about earlier, like uh, a sizzle reel, USP, stuff like that. The things that really stand out about the game because um, I don't need to have 30 minutes or 30 seconds of build up about the narrative because that's in the end not what's going to drive the game unless it's like a very, very heavy narrative driven game. Uh, but those are the exceptions, honestly. I just want to see some, some cuts of like the gameplay personification of your unique selling points. That should be enough for me already. I technically don't need to see more than that. If you have a nice dealer trip, well, not a teaser, I guess, because they're literally that just a teaser. They don't really show much. Uh, but I don't need to see like a professionally cut trailer because that's something that, or at least we have in-house as a publisher, like we provide you with those services. Uh, we will get that done for you when we are ready to announce the game or launch the game or things like that. Um, so just give me like the, the TLDR uh, of your game in video form. It doesn't even have to be like a full on trailer or huge long clips. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I just, I just went for it, man. I'm, I'm so <laughs> sleepy and tired. I, I'm <laughs> um, look at those glasses. A couple of gifts uh, is also actually enough mm. to grab your attention if they're well done, which brings me to my next point. Make sure the person who recorded the video or, or you know, at the booth showing you some little quick gameplay knows how to play the game or they're good at playing games. So look, don't keep dying. Don't dodge roll through the level that you're showing. Like, don't do like play your game. Don't do the developer thing that they'll they'll just be like here it is. Like, just you know, play the game properly uh, so we can actually see it instead of just uh, blazing through it. Because I remember this one dude. He sent us a video and it's just like him, literally dodge rolling through all of the levels for like 15 minutes <laughs> showcasing all this. i mean like i mean yeah it, it looks gorgeous but man I, I i was hoping to see some gameplay it was just like it was like also like a 2d metroidvania action game i just like dodge roll i kid you not like for 10 15 minutes which is like dodge rolls through the enemies through all of this stuff. i um, i mean i would just oh, i'm sorry no i'm done <laughs> well, i was just gonna done. say it's like all of this stuff, you know, it's got to be supportive of what you're saying. It's a package. If you come in, it's like, okay, we've got this incredibly beautiful 3D worlds, and this is a USP, and we're 99% finished, then great. You've Now you've sort of written a cache with your mouth. you got to cache it with your game. And if you're like, look, you know, we've got a brand new engine. If you're interested, here's a demo of the engine, you know, spinning a 100-pound weight and then a one ounce feather take a look at it that's great too but you know if you're doing this you're probably pretty smart if you're probably pretty smart you should be able to ask your question is what i'm going to show these guys one is it viewable in the very brief amount of time you'd have in a meeting and two does it support what i'm saying yes or no oscar I, i'd love to make a comment about the uh, don't show me a game engine because i'm just going to basically assume you're making a game <laughs> engine not a game but that's a different subject so for the video Gameplay, gameplay, gameplay. That's it. Don't want a trailer. Don't want anything sort of uh, pushing it, the kind of marketing of it. But what I mean by that is you've got to demonstrate to what Frank's point, you know, the, the, the kind of wow moments. You've got to show me the promise of the game. 
Um, and again, I'm, we tend not to use USB because everybody seems to not understand it and they, they tell me something I've seen in every other game. But then I've seen too many games. The, the thing I like to try and get people to think about, though, in, in, a, in the case of a living game, is show me the mechanics. So the start condition, the challenge, the reward, you know, the resolution, all that kind of stuff. But also show me the context. So most of the biggest flaws we see is people tell me they've got a great game, but there's no context loop. So there's no kind of sense of purpose and progression. There's no kind of economy element in there. There's no kind of really tying in the gameplay with the narrative. So progression is going to be story-wise, but also there's no sense of unfinished business. So I want to see gameplay that shows me why I should care to keep playing. But the last bit, I you need to set up in my imagination why there is a metagame to this experience. Now, by metagame, what I mean is, why should anyone care outside of the gameplay itself? So where is the collaboration, the cooperation? Why would somebody use your game as the thing that they use to get more audience on the YouTube channel or the Twitch stream? You know, I want to know why this game is intrinsically attractive, not just to the player, but to the player's audience. So that's what I want your gameplay video to tell me. You know, mechanic, context, and metagame. If you haven't shown me that, you haven't shown me the real value of the game. And I can't tell you that that's a living game, basically. All right, so we got a, a, a really good one coming in here from Discord. I'm in a position where I've been funded through Kickstarter, but my budget has recently changed. They're looking for like less than 5K. I'm looking for to publishers for a comparatively small amount of funding. What should I be looking for that a publisher can offer? As in, aside from the 5K. I mean, it all depends what you can or can't do yourself, right? <laughs> Ideally, you'd want publisher to handle everything in your community, PR, marketing, social, sporting, localization, QA, actually launching the game and doing all the paperwork and the consoles and, and, and funding. Um, so, I mean, it really comes down to like what you need. If you need all of that, great. There's a bunch of people that provide it, um, us included. But uh, this comes down to that. Yeah, I just need to figure out what, what you need because I... I mean, this this question just kind of confused me in, in general. Right now. Uh, Sorry, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not also a confusing late. question per se. I, I feel it's more like, um, as a publisher, like you said, we all deliver these services. There is nothing that uh, sets us apart in that sense. So if those are the things you need and you can't do without, then a publisher would be a good partner. But if you just need somebody to support you on the marketing side of things, hire an agency, find, find like a marketing agency or a freelancer to do that for you. You don't have to fork over X percentage of your revenue share for that. Uh, I think you might be in a good negotiation uh, position with the publisher if you have funded all or almost everything of the game yourself, because a publisher can't come in asking for 50% of rev share, which to be fair, I think is ridiculous when people do that anyway, but that's beside the point. Um, so it's more about finding, uh, as Vlad said, like somebody, uh, if you need it, that can take care of all of those services. And beside that, finding somebody who can actually be a good fit for your product, somebody who you would like to work with. Um, I think that's that's mainly it. Like besides that, uh, throw a rock and you hit like 50 publishers that all have that exact same uh, services. So uh, it's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, I think it's slightly different when you're dealing with living games because not all publishers do live ops and that's a different yeah. piece. But that's True. that's just one of those things. Um, I think you know going to a publisher just to get finishing funding is is as you guys have said, very expensive. Uh, going to an investor to get, you know, giving equity for finishing funding 
can be very expensive. There are other ways. Um, people don't like debt, but actually debt is a lot cheaper in a lot of cases if you do it smartly. The trouble is, obviously, you've got to pay it back. So it depends on the kind of organization. And there are some interesting things going on at the moment where we're seeing some people experimenting with different forms of uh, finishing funding. So uh, we'll see if that turns into anything. Uh, but my view is that uh, if you can find a way, if you've got 5K to get, then you might be better off getting a bank loan than going to a publisher because of what you're going to, you're going to be giving up. However, you might find you're better off going to the publisher because if you get the right partner, they won't just kind of help you finish. They'll actually increase your ability to scale the game. Now, we don't do funding, so we wouldn't be those people. Um, but you might find some other publishers out there who can do something for you that is going to scale your ability to deliver the game. I think sort of hidden in the question is another question, um, which is what's the point of a publisher? You know, why do we have publishers in the first case? And you know, and if you're in a game where five thousand dollars is material, you know, that suggests that it might be a one or two person team and probably fairly new at this. Um, and unfortunately, I think there's this situation where a lot of indies have been burned. And their, their model of publishing is, okay, so these guys take, you know, this insane royalty, whatever it happens to be, um, and then they send out two press releases and a tweet, um, and that's what I get. And it's like, well, no wonder you so, so, so bitter. But I think the right model for a publisher is unless you're a case where, you know, you're a well-known AAA indie and you're well-staffed and so on, and not talking about something like live games or mobile games for their own world, where the relationship is the publisher should be responsible for publishing. They should be pushing it, not just at launch, but consistently through PR. You know, if it's something that can live as physical goods, they should have it in physical distribution. Um, you know, their job is not just to get it on Steam. You can get it on Steam, but while you're at it, why don't you look for the other, for the two or three other secondary portals, GOG, you know, um, Humble Bundle, and then for the other 10 and Microsoft Store, and then for the other 10 second, sort of second string, third string sites below that, you know, why aren't they running monthly sales? Um, why don't they have a PR team on it? You know, this whole bundle of stuff. And I think maybe because there are so many people who call themselves publishers who are something between ripoff artists and distributors, people don't realize that. But I, I think it's, you know, worth taking a breath, believing in love and mutual benefit and seeing what's out there. Yeah. All right. So we've got roughly 10 minutes left, unless the four of you have time to stay extra. We're going to have to hit some questions pretty quickly here. Uh, next up from Twitch, uh, Shaggy Show says, when does the pitch become a discussion? Like when the team looks, when the game looks promising, but the budget looks a bit out or there's concerns about the team, will you as the publisher tell me that you'd like edits to those? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, the, the, the second thing we'll ask after we see your initial budget is your detailed budget breakdown. Because a lot of developers, um, especially first-time developers, don't know what to actually put in their budget request. So a lot of the things that they put in, for example, oh, we need, we got what we need. We also need like 30000 on marketing. And then like we, we budgeted 67000 on uh, on porting and then another 30000 on QA and services. That's actually not the money we're going to give you in our case because that's all the stuff we can do. So for us, then suddenly 
it's not two hundred thousand dollars it's a hundred thousand dollars ask you're asking to pay your salaries and software and, and you know the office space or whatever you need and all those other services we don't have to pay you for it because we're actually providing those so uh yeah uh, you should i mean second meeting third meeting really depends uh but most of the time once we ask for the detailed budget breakdown it gives us an overall idea what you're looking for and we've had situations where the developer is just asking too much and we're just honest like man listen we really like your game but you're asking too much money like we can't pay it. i'm not saying your game is not worth that money but like we just don't have that money in the bank to put it out so then it becomes a thing it's either we as a publisher try to find some external partners to help us with the uh, funding or you know developer moves on to another publisher who can pave the way for 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 the funds um We, we're slightly different on that because um because we don't fund dev but we do fund ua um we have a very different process so for example i don't really care too much about what's in the pitch deck what i care about is that it's sane and i i it's actually quite often that, that the the expectation and development time frame is just completely nuts too short and the um the budgets that are expected are actually way under what they really will be and that's that's what we normally end up seeing and because my business partner is a you know top-notch um you know producer who's run several studios herself she sees that instantly but actually what we're interested more in is we want to make sure that we, we're comfortable with the game so we do reviews of each game uh, you know so we have our first meeting if we like the game we'll do a review but we don't just do it and, and forget about it we actually give it to the developer and inside that are recommendations of what we think they need to do whether they use us or not this is what you need to do to get your game up to the level that you're going to need to be at in order to go you know to a as a living game and if they do those things that's when we do our first proper review that's when we do a readiness test that's when we do cpi tests in the same way that hyper casual games do it but we're looking for using that to be able to do a kpi driven strategy so i don't have a pitch deck once i've got you past you know having a second meeting i care about what you actually do in response to our feedback if that makes sense i can vouch for oscar they do that and it's good and it's thank you well done well done on, on that side um all right, so next, Fast and Furious. Uh, and by the way, in the stuff that we see coming through here, that you know, submissions to us before we actually send it to publishers, I see more developers under budget what their game is going to be than I see over budget. And I will also mm -hmm. second Vlad there. And don't put your marketing expenses in the publisher budget because the publisher is going to be doing that and they know better anyway. Um, so from meddling kids, how can devs get judged fairly on the prototype versus team size? We are a three-person team, and publishers are surprised that we're not 20-plus. It feels like we're being judged negatively for being efficient. You know, I, I would say the question kind of feels backwards. Um, I don't think there's a publisher out there who is going to look at the um, – demo and then be disappointed by a team size, I think what they would do is say, is the demo good? Yes or no. Does the demo align with the budget? Yes or no. And then beyond that, I think is kind of noise. That would be my take anyway. Um, uh, from us, it's actually a little bit different because it really depends uh, 
how wow the game looks and it's like three people or two people or more people you have a very serious case of burnout or the game not being finished you know if it's a very ambitious projects because i've seen these like one person teams who want to make this amazing game they build this amazing prototype or you know 30 or, or cross slice and then it's just like it looks it looks great it looks like you know double a game but then it never gets finished because you know his life gets in the way or or, or he just burns out because instead of spending two years with a you know a bit bigger team to finish the game as a solo developer or two people he'll they'll need to spend four or five years and um, you know stuff happens life happens and a lot of the times i've seen that it just never never gets finished so that's also a, a little bit of a red flag especially if it's a first-time developer you know uh with no completed projects or any pro you know released games on steam or, or any of the other platforms um, so that's usually ends up being like a tough decision uh, for us. Of course, there's exceptions to the rules, but uh, does raise some flags. Certainly shows that, yeah, that you have to start by establishing your credibility. Yeah. Well, the one other quickie I'd add to that is often, to, to Vlad's point, often what we see is someone has made a really good looking demo, but when we're watching it and we, we're experiencing it, we we fill up the gaps in the game because we're used to seeing how those experiences become full games yeah. and if you don't have the 20 person team you're not actually going to get it um oh, i mean i'm i'm just being devil's advocate to a certain extent, but i think that's another reason why i think i kind of i'm glad on that one all right so next question and keep in mind, so if we don't get to all the questions that are coming through in Discord, um, all of these fine folks are actually on our Discord as well. And so we can get some post-show comments done in there. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go to discord.gg slash business and join the 3,000 plus some other knowledgeable people in the industry, as well as people who want to learn knowledge. And you'll find it's a wonderful place to learn. Okay. Anyway, so... Um, how important is the inclusion of sales numbers for comparable games in the pitch deck? I'm assuming that you have people that can do the market research way better than us. It's, it's always one of those interesting questions because I like seeing them in there, but for me, it's, it's slightly a test of are people actually aware of the market or are they only including like the, the top sellers? Like um, I was talking with somebody earlier today and they were like in the, the comparison that like Hollow Knight, Celeste, uh, like all the things that made gazillions of dollars and sold a couple million copies. And like, how are you expecting your game to, uh, this is a one in a million game, like these games, like it, it's, it's almost impossible to me, if you can show uh, in this comparison that you have some uh, similar games to yours that either were very recently released, like in the last six months or something like that, or are coming up and you have some numbers to back it up. Like, hey, uh, there is like already 50,000 wishlists on this game. It's very similar to ours. And I can see that there's that similarity. Uh, that's actually a good point. Whereas if you include games that came out like five or 10 years ago, uh, that uh, kind of raises some questions on my end where I'm like, okay, but do you know your audience? Do you know your market uh, really? Or are you just only looking at like, okay, we're gonna expect to sell like a million copies. Um, yeah, that, that's my take on that. 
I would totally agree. I mean, I love working with teams that know the business, and this is a chance to show that you either do know and understand the business or not. So it's not make or break, but yeah, it's a good place to prove your competence. Because it's also fine to not. Oh, sorry. Uh, Just quick. Uh, It's also fine to not have it in there, and then we can talk about it. But um, if you put it in there, just make sure that it's realistic. Um, that's, I agree absolutely with what you said, right, what both of you said. Uh, the thing I was going to add is because do, I've done a lot of due diligence for investors, it's a similar problem when I look at the way that they do uh, business models. Quite often you see people only picking the same ones they put in the market comparison on slides, which means that they've done exactly what you said, Frank. They just put in the top games, the, 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 you know, the outliners. And I try desperately to get people to think they've got to look at all of the games that have been in that genre to work out what the average is to get what to work out what they can expect success to look like so i entirely agree with you it's all about it's not about the numbers it's not about the things you put in there it's about demonstrating to us that you actually understand the market and telling us a little bit more about how you think and how realistic you are Ah, yeah, what everybody said, we end up doing our own research anyways. Yeah. And you putting the top five games of the past 10 years just shows us that you don't know what you're doing or rather talking about because it's like five ga- games that were successful five years ago. Those games are completely irrelevant in, in today's market. Like, hell, mm-hmm. games two years ago are irrelevant in today's market. Yeah. So you can't compare the sales of games from a year, two years ago to your expectations to sell in a year or two years that you're. Um, about to release your game so just uh, we we have a real problem in this industry where people always talk about massive successes but nobody ever talks about failures because behind every hollow knight and celeste uh there's like thousands above thousands dead in these studios so yeah, yeah don't put the top five everybody can see the top five show me that you know the the genre you're playing with so again, from from Discord, does a game need to be compatible with all markets to be considered a good match for publishers? I realize it's case specific, but as a general rule, is it a red flag for a game not to be compatible with certain markets? And to put that in context, uh, this developer is actually creating a game focused on political extremism, which they know for a fact is not going to be allowed to be produced in China. Well, okay, so on it can be produced in china or bottom line is if you're a foreign developer not based in china you will not get published on any of the chinese platforms. they're just not going to happen anybody who tells you otherwise they're just lying to your face like government will not approve any of your games if tencent can't get any games through some shady ass publisher from china for sure won't be able so you don't have to worry about that problem is the marketing so some of the themes could be controversial so they you will get some hate you will get some flood but it will also help with the sales when when we're if we're talking about China right now, right? Um, really depends on the publisher if they want to work with these games or not, because you know controversy is not always a bad thing and creates publicity and helps sell the game. Honestly, like we had the experience with one of our titles, My Lovely Daughter, where you have to kill little kids to resurrect your dead daughter. Everybody hated it in China, but also it sold like a gajillion copies in China. So. Uh, but yeah, it c- comes down to, to, to the publisher uh, if they are willing to risk it or they are willing to work with this type of game. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I would just say it's a $135 billion industry. You know, um, obviously the best game succeeds everywhere all the time. But if you've got something that works even kind of well in one little place, that's a great business. So I would say let that be a secondary consideration. I think the other thing I'd add to that is what does success look like to you? And also think about what success looks like to that publisher. So sometimes it's not about, you know, a niche game isn't just about how much money you make. It can be about how you communicate an idea. It can be about what awards you win. It can be about the professional accolade that it brings. Now, different publishers aren't necessarily going to go for the non-financial motivations, but you might find someone who does. Uh, and that's, it's again, I know you know it's case-specific. I just want to reinforce the nature of the case-specific. It really does matter that you understand what success looks like to the publisher when you're talking to them about niche content. All right, and so last question, and we're gonna let you all go because I know it's also like 1 a.m. for Vlad right now. Um, when you're watching- oh, I'm ready to go. I see people doing questions about China. And I'm like, oh man, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 from Cocos Engine, so that's a Chinese developed one from actually the same city where a company started. But anyway, sorry, yeah, go on. Oh. All right, so when you're watching a video of a game being pitched, do you prefer something that clearly explains the game without the need for support materials, last five or eight minutes, and is very basic in its editing, or something more polished looking that has a trailer show-don't-tell approach is a minute and a half long and requires a pitch deck to fully understand it? And then I'm going to make that go away so we can actually see everybody. (laughs) Yeah, that was the long one. Any, Any preferences there? Can I go with um, what I've sort of been saying, which is there's no one-size-fits-all answer. If you've got a finished game and you think it shows really well, great. But if you've got a finished game, then just give us a game and not the video. Um, If you're trying to make a point with your pitch deck, then send us a video that reinforces it. Um, Shorter is always better. But again, who are you? Where are you in the process? And what are you trying to accomplish? Um, and beyond that, you know, which tool works better for that goal? Yeah, it's also like if you just want to show me a five, eight minute video, I don't necessarily need to have a meeting with you. You can send it over because if it's not, if it doesn't need explanation, then you're just standing there while just watching a video. And it's, I mean, we could have done this over email, uh, technically. Yeah, I mean, it's awkward. Yeah, you're just sitting there watching a video. I, like I said earlier as well, I like to talk to people, get to know them. So in the context of us talking about uh, events, uh, I always want a short video uh, with context because that means we're actually in a conversation. I can interject with questions about what you're telling, what you're showing, stuff like that, instead of just sitting there, both staring at the screen and not- Or maybe if they're sitting you down with a nice coffee and a biscuit, maybe the different subject. If they add a waffle to that coffee, I mean, yeah. I am willing to sit that, through that five, eight minute video just sitting there and they can leave me in a comfy chair. Um, context is everything. That. Context is everything. You, no, you can right get a meeting with Frank as long as you feed him. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the takeaway. And that's generally my job, actually. Like, I'm usually the one bringing this waffles. But uh, if you want to I, ask I'm me. Slightly... I have a slightly different perspective because quite so we get we do the normal meetings as you'd expect, but we also get asked to help games that have failed, and they're often they fail because they haven't done live ops or because they haven't had any kind of UA push, but they've gone live on their own, 
And so because we, we've got this track record of consultancy, we often get people pushed. And in those contexts, I don't want a pitch deck. I want your data. I, I, you know, to a certain extent, I don't want your game. I do want your game, really. But actually, I want the data. Because I can't tell you if I can rescue you or not if I don't know what the data looks like. And, and so that's why it's a slightly odd picture for us. Because, yes, we do the front end, in which case I just want a quick you know, minute's worth of fiddling with the, the game and a minute's worth of seeing some kind of core gameplay footage. But at the other end, I actually want to see the data. So it's, it does vary very much in terms of what I want to see. All right, so I've got a follow-up for you, Oscar. What about, because I see this a lot from games that we send out from here too, and we have developers ask this a lot of times too. How do they effectively convey that to you when they have no means of getting that data? They don't know how to do, you know, test Facebook, uh, Facebook campaigns to test click through and, and they just don't know how their options are. They don't have the data at all, or they go out on their own and try to get the data, but do it poorly. So now the data sucks. That, how, that's how why that? we get involved early. <laughs> uh, I genuinely, I mean, seriously, we, that's why we do webinars. That's why we do things like this is because Look, there are there's articles on our knowledge base about how to set up data. There's, um, you know, I mean, actually, these updates, it's been a long time since I wrote them for a while. But frankly, getting this stuff is easy. You've just got to have a mindset about what to do. You know, it, it costs you 150 quid to run a Facebook campaign for three days with a video trailer that you can pull together from gameplay footage yourself using something, some simple video editing. You've got to have a bit of thought about it. But that will give you a very, very basic indication if anyone gives them monkeys about your game or not. You don't even have to have the game finished to do that. But there's a whole range of more and more sophisticated ways of checking I can happily tell people through. If anyone wants to find out more about that process, then just give me a shout. I'll happily talk you through it. So any final data. thoughts from anybody? I think we can, like uh, Oscar and myself touched upon this quite a few times, like people don't really understand the sense of, or like the concept of USBs. Uh, I think that might be a good one to actually touch upon because that's all, always a thing that gets me when I see a pitch deck or a presentation. Um, like the simplified version is always, if you can write um, your unique selling point out and you can replace your game with any other game in a similar genre or just a game in general it's not unique um that's like the very shorthand version of that uh, a unique selling point is not is not uh it's a it's a heartbreaking story that's not a unique selling point because there's dozens of games that do the exact same thing um it's usually a mechanic or or um some other thing like of course there is a big chance that it's already been done before. Nothing is unique anymore. Like it's all um, spins on something that's been successful before. But still, like if you anything you say about your game, you can fill out any other game in the, in your play, uh, game's name. Then it's not unique. You really need to go back to the drawing board and find your hooks. I mean, the the, the easy suggestion is describe me your game without using any other games as references. I don't want to hear it's like, oh, it's a spin on a super meat boy, but but I, I no, tell me without using naming other games and saying like, oh, it's this, that, or X, Y, Z. Uh, uh, then we know that if you know you can actually explain what you, the hook is or talk about your game without just relying on other titles. I agree, but I also feel like for some people it actually works very well when it's uh, easily explainable as X meets Y and 
but then with this as an added thing. Whereas, yeah, I would like to hear it without, uh, but if it makes sense, if it makes me understand it a little bit better, I guess if, it, if I don't understand it, you're already doing a bad job about uh, describing your USBs, but I don't mind uh, it's X meets Y in a different setting, different time, whatever, with different mechanics. I don't mind that. There's a classic, there's a classic technique, uh, the five whys. Um, go look it up. Uh, the five whys is a really good technique to help you learn how to do it. Because basically what you do is you say what you think is special about your game, and then you say, so what? And you say, so what, five times until you actually get down to what really matters, the real reason why anyone would give a monkey's to stay playing your game more than half an hour. In fact, to stay playing for a year. That's what we're after. I have to ask Oscar, if you do this during a meeting, do people fly at you and like want to punch you? Or uh, yeah, I'm just thinking yeah, about uh, dude, where's my car? And like the, the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, no, and then, just stop asking me why. Just ask But me. I'm so too enthusiastic, people. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so I would. That's why I wear the hat. They're so they're kind of fixated. It's like a, it's like an animal lure uh, for game developers. I would just add on a different note. Um, one other thing that's sort of implicit in all this is indies don't fully understand what a publisher can do. So indies, you know, think of publishers, a good publisher is more than just a checkbook. Realize that in a good relationship, you're there, you're called the studio because you're there to make the game. The indie, the publisher would be responsible for everything else, selling it, marketing it, monetizing it, user support, whatever it is, even key graphics or key art, they should be doing it. So don't be so quick to assume that, you ha that you're that you alone in all this. You, there are good partners out there. It takes a while to find them, but they are out there. Well, I want to thank you all for taking some time out of your day on what I will also say is very short notice to come together and do this and talk about this. Uh, everyone else out there, you know, you can find the videos for this and for every other podcast and every other conference session that we've had at our Indie Game Business Conferences on our YouTube page. Uh, but you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Twitch and LinkedIn and every basically where else except TikTok because I don't understand TikTok. And then <laughs> aside from that, come visit us on the, on the Discord. It's discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. It's a wonderful, wonderful safe space to ask anything from the most advanced questions to the most basic questions and there's a load of people on there who are happy to answer them um but that said we're gonna cut it for today and then we'll be back next week uh thank you as always everyone thank you jay it was fun being Thanks, here so. good chatting to you all right guys Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.